Welcome to another episode of the Lockdown Women's Basketball Podcast. I'm your host, Ben Dole, recording this on Saturday afternoon, right after the LA Sparks got a big win on the road on ABC over the Minnesota Lynx. And on the line to talk about this game is Sabrina Merchant. Sabrina, how, how about that one for a for an ABC primetime game? These two teams always deliver. It's incredible. Every single time. Yeah, it's it was it is I have kind of like I've kind of balked at, at the idea, like we kept hearing it last season, especially in the playoffs, that like that the, the rivalry was done. But there are just there's there's still too many like core players left that are just that this is still going to be a thing. And obviously, like we didn't know at the time that Maya Moore wasn't going to play this season. But even even still, like it's just it, it's still going to be there. And I think I mean really, I think Chelsea Gray is really the one that's. You know, hitting the big shots today, but then she's really the one that's going to continue to carry this because she was somebody that hit so many big shots at the beginning of it, and now she—I mean, she's like just entering her own, as we saw again today. Right. I mean, I was—I'm was so surprised when she missed that first shot that would have iced the game, the one that she airballed, and then the Sparks got the ball back anyway. But it's just weird to see her miss in that situation at this point because of how many times she's come through at the end of these games. I think uh, ABC showed a few of the, the, the shots that she said there was that one in game one of the finals in 2016, and then obviously opening night, or opening day last season against Minnesota, but that's, it was a really fun one. I mean, every time one of the teams got ahead, there was just, you knew that the other one was going to come back, and it was going to go right down to the wire. Yeah, Chelsea finished 8 for 12, 21 points in 31 minutes, and it was, it was also kind of touch and go there to see if she's even going to come back in the game because she got nailed with a big screen by Sylvia Fowles right at the end of the third nobody kind of alerted her to that and then they were kind of working on her on the bench and they were just kind of taking a look and she looked like she had been shaken up at least a little bit and then Holly Rhodes said that they she went back to the locker room and that at one point Derek Fisher kind of looked down at the bench and asked if she was ready to go and it she wasn't yet but then she she came back a few minutes later and it's just it it, that that would have been like the last team thing that this team needed. It was just like somebody else to go down, especially like for an injury like that, where it's just like, you know, not this acute incident with like a hamstring or a knee. But hopefully that doesn't linger, or doesn't pop back up, and that it it it's it's just nothing more than a big hit that she took. Right, and that's such a good point that I mentioned. Holly was saying that Derek like looked down the bench to ask about her because it seems like they've been very um, cautious with like Kim Parker and Elena Beard so far in terms of injuries, but. At that moment, you know, against the Lynx in Minnesota, this kind of thing where, like, Derek Fisher, even though it's game five of the season, really wanted Chelsea to play at that point. Like, there's just no other way that this game could go down. And, and the, you you mentioned before that last point that that you just kind of knew that these teams were kind of going to get back in it. I, I'm not sure how I'm not sure how I, I I feel about the times Minnesota got back into this game yet. I mean, I think I think L.A. On one hand, they have to feel pretty good about the fact that they were able to build those leads on the road, but the way they gave them up were pretty dispiriting. I mean, especially in the second half where it was just some timely offensive rebounds that Minnesota came came away with, a couple turnovers. And in the first half, I, I, I guess I wonder what you make of both the runs, but the first half it really seemed to get keyed where just Odyssey Sims happened to draw two offensive fouls that really felt like they swung the game, but... I mean, do you do you read any anything into that that LA's maybe should should feel good about that, or was it just am I not giving Minnesota enough credit? Maybe. 
first half lead was kind of fool's gold because it was built mostly with their bench. And, I mean, it just, it didn't seem sustainable that, like, a lineup of, like, Ashley Walker and Marina Mabry and Laquana Williams would be, you know, running the links out of the gym. Uh, so, to me, that, that never seemed like it was going to hold on. But, yeah, I like what you said about those Odyssey Sims style calls like that. That really seemed to change the tenor in that first half because it looked like the Sparks were going to have a double-digit lead going at halftime and then, bam, you know, it's only five points. And, and what they did with the bench there, it, Raquana Williams it having a big night, 225 on 7-16 shooting, I mean, they, they needed that in the worst way. I mean, Alexis Jones didn't even play in this game. I mean, did you what did you make of that? Because when they go to that bench, like the one thing you would think they need is somebody to make a play, and you would think the whole idea of, of them bringing Jones in was that they thought she would be able to do that, but this early in the season, for her not even to play, that kind of set off an alarm for me. For me, I think it's just a matter of Fisher still trying to get a handle with his rotation. Like, they have Williams, Avery, Weiss, Gray, you know, and Jones, so that's, you know, that's like six, five or six cards that need minutes, and it's just hard for them to all get into a rhythm if they all play in the same game. So you've seen, like, you know, we sat out the first game, and Laquan didn't play against Connecticut, and then Alexis sat out today, and I think that's just him trying to get them all enough time to get into a flow. Uh, I think part of the reason Raquana was so good today was because she was allowed to be that creator on the second unit instead of Alexis playing next to her because she got to control the offense and that got her in her spot exactly where she wanted to be. Yeah, that, that that's fair, and I, I agree with that. I think that does make a difference for, for Williams if she's just going to be let. You kind of have to, especially you know, given LA's circumstances, like if you're going to have Raquana on your team, and you need someone else that can do something with the ball when Chelsea isn't in a game, like, you have to let her take some of those shots. And, like, like at the end of the third, when she just, like, can pull up for that three, like, she just gets awesome rise on her shot. And, like, though it's pretty easy for her to get shots like that off. She had one against against the Aces in their, in their opener, too. And I guess, I guess like, Walker and what they're doing with the bigs kind of plays into that, too, because, like, they, I mean, the Fisher had a stretch where he sat, Neca and Cheney at the same time, so then he has Walker playing with Kalani Brown, and like you know, if they play like Ruff and Pratt at the four, then that can like make some more minutes for the guards. But it, I don't know, it was it was it was interesting. Like even with all the offensive rebounding, like I thought like overall like LA held up pretty well. I mean, they only like thirteen to twelve on the offensive rebounds for Minnesota. I mean, for the most part, it seemed like they fought pretty well, even as they kind of went with some different groups out there. Looking at the box score to see that it's only 13 to 12 for the offensive rebounding advantage because it seemed like LA was just getting crushed. Like every time they got a good stop, the the links just you know corralled rebound, and it's been a problem for them all season. Which I mean, I feel like it's exacerbated by the fact that they've already played Connecticut twice. But yeah, that that 13 to 12 number doesn't feel like it adequately expresses uh, how good Minnesota was on the glass today. Yeah, and a, a couple of them were just a couple of those offensive boards for Minnesota were of the longer variety, where it wasn't really like Sylvia Fowles was killing them, but like the the one on the free throw at the very end that was I mean that was just brutal to give that up, and they're kind of lucky that that didn't that didn't come back to bite them. But I thought I mean I thought Neko Gumake did a really good job, just like competing and just like being around. Like there was one. I'm not. I'd have to go back and look at the play by play how they credited it, but like she just had one. She tapped it out. 
when Syl more or less had like had her beat, but then she ended up tipping it out, and that led right to a, I think that led to a Connor Williams three. So it just you know like it came up in the finals, and the Sparks, their players have talked about it plenty too. But you know they're not going to change their personnel. Like they have really good front court players. Like at the end of the day, like it, it also can't be a thing to, of like making excuses for them. Like they just have to like bring the effort too to kind of just to just make up for that. Right. I mean, like, there are certain moments where if Philly Bell gets even up to the post, there's there's really nothing that guy can do to provide the size to contest her. But, like, you know, like you said, the effort comes for that sometimes, you know, just, like, fighting for position and, you know, putting the arms up just to make life a little bit more difficult, which I, I thought she really did. Like, uh, Neca, I mean, didn't even score until more than halfway through the third quarter, and yet I think she had the best plus minus on the Sparks just because she was everywhere. Yeah, and and with all the stuff with with them like starting to figure out their offense and whatnot, I don't know what what you've made of this, but I, I mean, I almost think like they need to like they need. I think almost think they need to go into tour in the post way more. Like, I mean, they have especially like when we don't really know who like their second playmaker is without Candace Parker. Like, I mean, like one of the easiest buckets of the game, they threw it into her against Demiris Dantas, who I don't think can guard her. And the Lynx mm-hmm. doubled her on the catch, and she just, like, threw, like, hit TRP up, cutting to the rim for an easy bucket. Yeah, I was, I was surprised that they didn't get the ball to her more often. Um, I mean, I, I think it's just, like, the, the Sparks are still trying to figure out their new weapons. I think it uh, there's probably more in Chelsea Green's hands at this point than there will be as the season goes on, especially when Parker comes back. But, yeah, I mean, Mecca just sees the floor better than most post players, and I, that's exactly the yeah, and I, it's it's, I I think she's just like it's, Neca's such an important swing player for them because when she's out there with Chanae, I think Chanae is who like I think centers are gonna guard most of the time. So when she's when when you get a player like Dantas on her, like you have to, I think they have to, kind of find some more ways to tap into that quickness advantage, to use that to score. But at the same time, like there is so much on Neca's shoulders because she also carries a lot of that burden to be the spacer. Which to her credit, like she's done a really good job of just like spending more time out there, taking the shots that are open, and because she needs that, she needs to do that too to kind of let everybody else breathe, and she has to to give her credit for that too. Yeah, her willingness to shoot the threes, I think, is just a big change from the last couple of seasons. Like, I, I talked to her, and she said that it's something that she's done overseas for a long time, but she's never felt comfortable doing it in L.A. until this season. Um, and, like, she, she's making them, too. I mean, today was only one of three, but, like, against Connecticut, she hit four, and she hit a big one against Connecticut in Los Angeles in that first game. So it's so weird to think that, like, the spacing for the Sparks is going to come from their base, but part of the package right now. Yeah, and and I want I want to get to Minnesota now because it, it was interesting. I, I think on a very basic level, you could just say like they just stopped turning the ball over, and that just helped them like actually like get some stuff done on offense. But wh- like, what to you like really were they able to tap into that really made stuff tough for LA in the half court? So I thought when um, when like Weiss was stuck on Collier, that was just a really bad matchup for her. Yeah, and Nafisa was eating her alive. Uh, that two-man game with Collier and Shepard is really impressive. Like, they're, they're rookies. They just started playing as teammates, and, like, they seem to have such a good chemistry with one another. I, I 
haven't spent as much time watching that soda, I, I think, as you have, or, but, like, I was really impressed with just how comfortable they already looked. Yeah, the, it, I, I remember somewhat at one point, uh, early in the season, uh, somebody asked me on Twitter, like, who I thought the best X's and O's coach was, and it was very spur of the moment, and I just answered Dan Hughes, and that maybe was, like, a little bit of a recency bias thing, just, you know, like, really having last season so at the front of my mind, but, I mean, I, like, watching the, the beginning of the season, like, it just, like, it has to be Cheryl Reeve. Like, I, like, they, like, they, she has to be given so much credit, like, from the very beginning of the season, like, the turnover stuff, like, that's, like, they have stuff to run, like, that's just, like, the players need to clean it up, but, I mean, like, the balance that they have tapping into the strengths that they do have, and again, like, all things considered, like, they are kind of limited a lot of the time, like, compared to other teams, but, like, once they stop turning it over and they really settled in, it's, like, you're getting Odyssey Sims in a pick and roll or a dribble handoff with, like, Shepard or, or Dantas at the same time Nafisa is going to duck in from the corner into the post. And then at the same time, you also have like a flare screen being set for Lexi Brown. And that's just like, that's so tough to guard because there isn't going to be help anywhere when all that stuff happens at once. And you just, it's just really rare to see a team so in sync like that. And if they just, I think if they follow through with that, I mean, it's, I, I think, I think scoring is what people are probably skeptical the most of with this team. But if they follow through with that, I mean, it's, it's going to be really tough. Yeah, offensively, I mean, I, I have very little complaints about the way Minnesota looked other than the turnovers, like you said, uh, which is interesting to, like, have that be such a big problem on Lindsay Whalen Day, right? Yeah. But, but yeah, like, every 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 time we looked around, like, the Sparsha getting cut back door and lose somebody just because of all the actions they're running and, like, uh, I mean, this was not a defensive uh, showcase by any means by either team, uh, even though I'm sure that's what Sparks would prefer to turn it into. Uh, but yeah, like like you said, I, I didn't come into the season very high on Minnesota's talent level or like what they'd be able to achieve. But offensively, like I don't I don't think there should be any question marks about what they're capable of. Like, defensively, that's an entirely different story. But in terms of scoring the ball, they have so much capability. And, like a lot of that comes back to Reed. Yeah, and 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 what they're doing with Nafisa's is such a big part of it. You know, I just I don't like it. It's obvious like she's playing very well, and it's like. So, like, of course, it'd be fair to say, like, she shouldn't have gone as low as six. But at the same time, like, she fell to such a perfect coach to get her doing all this stuff. Because, like, I don't know how many other teams are, like, getting her into the post this much with, like, the whole lane completely empty. And I, th- I, thought, it was, I thought it was interesting that it seemed like L.A. kind of adjusted on the fly because Ruff and Pratt, there were a couple plays, like, somebody who, who should be able to, like, physically compete with her. Like just tried to like get a full frontal, and it's like like why would you do that? Like it's just like you're not you're not gonna have help, and if you get if you get beat on that pass, but then she started playing her straight up and pushing her out, and it's like there you go, because you know, there's people on this Minnesota team that you can kind of help off of and like force her to make a tough shot. But it seemed like they kind of adjusted to that, and that you know it it and now you know people have to kind of prove her make her prove it to kind of make those shots over people and trp is kind of one of those people you should probably feel pretty good about to to guard her on island yeah that's exactly what i was going to say i noticed it more in the fourth quarter that she was uh that the match was sort of swung in at trp's favor um which just kind of made me surprised that it like wasn't happening earlier in the game but yeah that, that it just really worked out well for them and 
and then and with, with Shepard, of course, we should mention if people didn't see it in the game, uh, late in the game, Shepard went down. There was a fast break. Uh, she came down. It looked like, I mean, it was just she landed all of her weight on her right leg and her right knee looked like kind of buckled a little bit. So we'll see what the word is on that. But that would that would be a huge blow to their front court. And and and, and the interesting part, too, like with Shepard, like part of those two runs that Minnesota made, one in each half, it, it was surprising that both of them also happened without Sylvia Fowles on the court. You know, like it was Shepard and Dantas playing together and they strung that together. Yeah, because the, the Spartans can get a little floppy when you push the pace on them, uh, and I think that's what they sort of tapped into <laughs> with those smaller lineups. I think they're kind of starting to figure it out. It's obviously Williams. You know, it apparently, you know, with going off of what was reported at the Athletic, which I mentioned on a previous episode, Molly Annity had a story that um, that apparently she's just not. A waiver has been filed. She won't be attending any pretrial hearings. So if Williams is just going to play, it, I mean, LA needs that in the worst way. And, you know, outside of that, if Candace Parker gets back soon, they're going to have to kind of go through a whole new adjustment period. But with what they're getting now, to get 35 minutes out of Ruffin Pratt and to just get two threes from her, even if you don't get the big game from Williams all the time. I think just like TRP, just like having some kind of balance to give them something offensively. I think that's that's pretty huge for them right now because they, you know, Sydney Weiss, Mabry, Ashley Walker, if she's playing, like they really need to get set up for most of their offense. So TRP with what she can be as a two-way player in the meantime, I think a game like that where she's given them, I mean, 17 points on 6 of 11 shooting, That I think that's really... That's the kind of game that they need from her on a regular basis. Yeah, I think this was the first time this season that uh, TRP's had double-digit points, and I'm just really impressed by her ability to get into the lane and then not only create for herself but also for others. Like that's something that I hadn't seen so far this season from her. But like you said, with like Weiss and Walker, they're not they're not creating their own shots. I think Mabry could probably her her jumper is versatile enough that she can create for herself on the perimeter at least. Yeah, and and one play that one play that stuck with me with TRP too was it because you know she like she's a player that like has to prove it like people are gonna leave her open all season from three, mm-hmm. but when she's at her best, the nice thing that just makes her fun to watch just as a viewer is like for the most part like when she's going she doesn't she doesn't just freeze and she doesn't like totally stall you out and I thought like one play that really showed that was like in semi transition she just caught it. At three point line, there was one three that she took in transition earlier. That was probably like, you don't need to take that one with so much time on the clock. But then, at this point in the game, she just caught it full speed drive, like went right into Lexi Brown, put her butt into her, and then like turned and shot it over her. And like, you know, they like they didn't guard you, but then like use that cushion to actually create something and force the issue a little bit. And and that ended up being a big play. And that's that's the kind of stuff that like these players that people aren't going to guard. Like there's still stuff you can do with that space to actually make something good happen. Right, and I think uh, that hits on one of the, the problems Minnesota had with, like, her as effective as Lexi Brown was on offense. I think they, 
they really managed to eat her up on the defensive end. She just had no hope of keeping with any of the spark starts. They were just way too physical for her. And that, you know, extended to TRP as well, who just, like, you know, acted like she wasn't even there on that blitz. Yeah, and speaking of, like, the physical nature of the guards, I mean, it's nothing new with Chelsea Gray, but that in the first half, I just, I felt like they really, they've really found something where as they kind of built that lead and it looked like they, like, I mean, it really felt to me like they were, like, ready to blow the links out and just, like, really push that, like, to 20 at the half. And what they were doing on a couple of those plays before those Odyssey Sims drew, quote-unquote, those two fouls, was they had her off the ball, and she was just catching, and she was just going right away and getting into a shot because she can just shoot over so many people. And I think this whole stuff of, like, okay, like, what's Derek Fisher's imprint going to be, and, like, what can he, what's he going to really do with this team? Like, if, like, if he gets them into more of that stuff to just, like, get her off a screen or just, like, on the move and just go right away, like, I think that is actually something that they need a little bit more of versus her just pounding the ball and everyone can just kind of stare at her. Yeah, which is why I, I'm really interested by the Alexis Jones-Chelsea Gray pairing because that allows Gray to play off the ball a little bit in a way that she can't when playing up to Lee's or Mabry or something. Um, I'm, I'm kind of surprised that Jones hasn't found her way back into the starting lineup, but I'm, I'm sure that'll happen at some point in the season. I'm not sure, but I, I imagine it'll happen at some point in the season because that's just a, a more fluid one-two combination than anything else that they've been playing so far. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see what they do with that. And and to to run back to the the end of the game when Gray hit two big shots at the very end. One a pull up that put him back up three after Lexi Brown's ridiculous left handed three at the, <laughs> as the the shot clock went off. Um, but then she got it again with with two on the shot clock. They had a baseline out of bounds, and I thought like this was another thing. Like they did a good job. Like they had. Chelsea set a back screen for NECA, and mm-hmm. Nafisa Collier was guarding the ball. Well, she wasn't guarding the ball, but that was her player. And she kind of reacted to that back screen because that's NECA, like, sp- sprinting to the rim. And then that kind of left the door open for Chelsea to come back to the ball. I thought that was just a nice job by them to make sure that that extra defender, like, just to do something to try to draw their attention so that, like, Chelsea would even have a chance, like, just to catch the ball there. Yeah, it was a really well-designed play. Like, I mean, Chelsea was able to catch the ball so cleanly, and she had such a good understanding of the fact that, like, two seconds is a lot longer than people think. Like, you wouldn't imagine that she'd be able to get a dribble and get the shot up. Um, but, that, like, Fisher was so excited when they showed him on the, the sideline after that play. Like, I think I was three wins. This is, this is the most fun for him so far. Yeah, he had, there were some... The camera caught some, some fun moments with him, a reaction to a to a foul call when he was kind of getting into it with the official. Um, but after after Gray hits that shot, um, and then Minnesota comes back, and it was it was kind of an odd play for them because there's 8.5 on the clock and they have it at midcourt. They threw it to Sylvia Fowles, but then it looked like Odyssey Sims and, and Nafisa Collier were, like, were not on the same page at all. Like Collier just stood there like she expected to get the ball back and shoot a three, and then Sims kind of ran right into the play, and and Minnesota ended up with and they had a screening action for Lexi Brown on the other side, but like they ended that with you're down four, and they end that with 
probably your two most capable shooters on the other side of the court that didn't really get a chance to touch the ball and then mm-hmm. Sill got a layup but there were two, there was 2.1 left and then like they just couldn't and well th- then LA wasn't in the bonus yet so they couldn't get them to the line on the first foul which we can get to there cuz there was that was handled strange too but I mean do, what do you make of what Minnesota did there in that position when they're down 4 why you have to call the timeout to advance the ball in that situation, but it definitely put them behind the eight ball. Like, even if they did score, they didn't have another timeout to use after playing the foul game. Uh, and, I mean, in that situation when L.A. is not in the bonus, like, you, you have to get a three off. I just, I don't see the value in getting a layup, even though, like, you know, two seconds left, Sylvia's just like, we got to score, right? Like, there's no getting around it. But, I, I mean, I thought the Sparks defended it well. You know, I mean, I, I'm not sure if it was, like, Minnesota wasn't on the same page with one another, but they they were very clear, like, no foul defense. Foul, not like Sylvia fouls, but, you know, no fouling defense. And, I mean, they, they executed the game plan, right? The, the bonus thing was so weird, though. Like, yeah. how many times have you seen that where the referees don't realize that they weren't supposed to have a shooting foul after the first free throw has already been taken? Yeah, that, I, off the top of my head, I can't remember seeing that before, and it... And I, I, like, I went back to rewind it, and then I, because I, I was, it, I was completely thrown off by that too, because then when they, like, when the score bug didn't change right away, I was like, wait, are they? So they gave them one point, and then they're gonna inbound it, but they, they fixed the scoreboard, and it was just, they, they ended up getting it right, I guess, but it was just, I mean, it was just odd to not, to not have that right the first time. Where they uh, didn't seem to get it right initially, and then uh, some prodding from Cheryl Reeve got him in the right direction. <laughs> yeah, Reeve, Reeve has had some some funny moments on the sideline where, like, where like when you can like as a viewer, like I can tell she's about to call a timeout, and then she motions for one, and then like it's it's happened like I think it's happened in like every game this season where like and then they won't give it to her, and then she'll have to be like really demonstrative to get the call right away, but it's. I don't know. It's, she's definitely a fun coach to watch as a fan. Like, she's a lot more animated than some of the other ones in the league. Yeah. And so the 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 end of that game, it was just, there was a ton going on and a lot to process. The It was strange. Like, it was almost like the, the opposite of Minnesota's game earlier this week against Phoenix, where Phoenix was down two and they ran the clock down. And it was kind of like, what are they doing? They did not get off. End up getting off a very good look, and and then Minnesota was kind of on the opposite of that, where it's just, it's not to make it all about one play, but it was just, you know, they had they had to get up a three there, but I mean, it, it really it really circles back to just the beginning of the game. I think they had like seven turnovers before, well before the end of the first, and they, the way they just kept shooting themselves in the foot, you know the the, you know the I think the overarching thing for them right now is just like they're so reliant on. Of course, like trying to play through Sill, but also just like get it to Shepard or Dantis and then like let them facilitate. But like if they're just like turning it over on those passes, like they just they're not going to get anywhere because they're already just so dependent on those players creating stuff for them. Like that's why they're doing it in the first place. Yeah, I mean, um, in the first half, I thought like that was a really good stretch from Avery when Minnesota was getting sloppy on their passes because it allowed her to get out and transition and sort of break some of her own offense because it just wasn't working for her in the half. Usually think of rookies as performing better on defense and offense, but she's definitely figured it out. 
quicker on that end of the floor than she has on offense. Yeah, Mabry, Mabry has has really good instincts. She's a ball hawk. It's it's def it definitely showed itself plenty with Notre Dame playing a zone basically for two years straight. But obviously, a lot a lot can carry over there, especially like one of those steals late was when you know TRP actually like pushed Collier out and just forced her to like get a catch and do something and then she picked up her dribble and was forced to throw it out and everyone was kind of just staring at her and that was that was one of those plays that she made but one of the the other rookie what'd you make of uh what'd you make of Kalani Brown's 13 minutes in this game so there are certain times where Kalani Brown plays where you fully feel that she is six foot seven and she uses her size and length and then there are certain times when I watch her play and I feel like she's like five foot seven because she's just getting beaten up by players who are much smaller than her and not going up strong with the ball. And, I mean, I, I understand that she's a rookie, so I, I just assume there's going to be some give and take with that. But in this game, when, when she was up against Fowles, I thought she held herself pretty well. But then when she wasn't playing against Fowles, she was just allowing the smaller players to affect her shot and box her out. And that was, that was a really weird situation. Yeah, I think, I think you're spot on there. She has to, she has to flex her muscle a little bit more to establish position and not, you know, a couple times against Don- like against Dantas under the rim. I mean, she was like barely just holding ground when she was already like pretty much right under the rim, and she just had some of that's just the early work, but she also just has to has to command that space a little bit more. I did like one of the shots she got on Sill. She missed it, but she got to her left hand like a clean turn, and and like Sill had a couple of those where she got to her right hand, but like Kalani showed that she can get to her strong hand too, and she was. She was right there, but just needed to finish that one, and it's they're getting minutes from her, and I think I think still there's there's been more good than bad for her so far this year. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, like there's certain times where you know she just like parks herself and like gets a deep seal and like puts her hand up high, and I'm like that's that's what she needs to do every single time. You know, she's six foot seven. They just the Sparks don't have anybody like her with that. I mean, especially now with the diva out in Russia, but that dimension could provide so much for their offense. And I think it's good that uh, Fisher's finding so much time for her. Like, she does seem to be getting better, even in, like, the short five-game period, because she didn't even play in the preseason, so this is all very new for her. Um, but, yeah, there's just certain times where you she needs to insert her size more often. So, now to, to wrap up here, I kind of want to look look ahead, because I think Holly Road mentioned on the, the broadcast that Fisher's kind of hoping they can maybe get Candace back the middle of the month which is a pretty loose time frame, but they've got the Sparks have they have an interesting stretch coming up. Like they have Phoenix twice. Uh, both both times are in Phoenix. They play uh, Washington and Seattle, and then they get the Aces again in pretty quick succession with a with a return game against the Liberty there. But these I mean these are going to be like this is a this is a really big this you know this is this is kind of the stretch where like you you have all these games against these really good teams like things could. Things could go sideways if they're not careful. I mean, what are you, what are you watching for here as they kind of try to stay stabilized and maybe, maybe before they get too deep in the stretch, Candace is already back on the court. Right. So uh, this is the end of their road trip, right? I mean, technically they play in Phoenix on Friday, I believe, but they'll be back practicing in LA this week, so they'll be able to, you know, hopefully reintegrate Elena and Candace into the practicing because. They stayed in L.A. while the team was on the road trip. So I think health is the number one concern. I mean, the sooner Parker comes back, like, so many of these questions are just so much easier to answer. Uh, 
But what's what's strange to me is like the volatility, like the way they play these games. Like they were they were so up tempo against Minnesota, and then like they've really just like that first game against Connecticut was such a drag down pace, and like against the Liberty, which I mean, damn, you're unwatchable in certain stretches. <laughs> but like the there hasn't been a lot of consistency to the way they've played so far, so it's it's still hard to get a feel for what it is they're trying to look like. And I imagine that's going to change as they reintegrate these other players who are supposed to be starters into their lineup. So I because it's only five games in, it's just it's so hard for me to get an understanding for what they even want to look like. Uh, because you know, they this is a spark, even under Derek Fisher, they keep saying defense, 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 but like this is not a game that suggests that defense was their number one priority, you know? Yeah, and I, the 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 pace was what I was expecting was going to be the big the big priority, and you know the defense was already there. That that was just more of maintaining what they had, and it's yeah that that the first Connecticut game was odd. The LA the the New York game they got a little sloppy, and you know I think I think for at least for me. I don't know. I don't know about for you, but I think I think them playing Washington is going to be the really interesting test for them, just with the way they spread it out. And they're gonna, you know, they're gonna play at their pace. And even without Emma Misaman, they're one of the teams that really just they really know who they are and exactly what they want to do. So I think that game is going to be the interesting one to see them and and see how they kind of hold up with that and see if I think that's the team where I want to see if how much they're actually going to run and what. What that'll look like if that if that'll if that if that's something that they're just not able to keep up with and maybe they do kind of need to be in more of a grinded out kind of game and just and just kind of get to a point where Chelsea can kind of carry them home. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, the Mystics were the, the team that knocked the Sparks out of the playoffs last year, and it it was not even close, like at all. So, I I mean, I imagine that some of the improvements they tried to make this offseason were in response to that, but. <laughs> That, that level of shooting, like the Sparks have not shown an ability to contend with that yet, especially if they're big. So that'll be quite the challenge. And we'll we'll, uh, we'll look forward to seeing how those unfold, and and maybe even by that Washington game is about the point where where Candace Parker's making a return. But Sabrina, let people know where they can follow your work on on the Sparks and all things WNBA this season. Yeah, so um, I'm covering Sparks for the Athletic and for high post tubes so you can check out my work at either of those places and i'm on twitter at sabrina jm so everything else is there Alrighty, and we'll look we'll look forward to having you out again soon and checking in on the sparks once they hopefully have their whole team and and that and it's actually a lot easier to talk about what this team actually is but sabrina thanks for coming on today yeah thanks for having me this was, this was a fun game